Welcome to the teaching ministry of Prophet Kevin Leon. Kevin has devoted his life to see the restoration of supernatural power in both the Word and the Spirit to this generation. Open your Bibles, open your hearts, as we join Kevin in one of his crusades from around the world. I remember when I was going to start Rock City Church, I had no idea what healthy church should look like. And it doesn't mean that the last you know, three pastors that I had had before did everything wrong. It just means the things that I had experienced and learned were more institutionalized and corporate or overly extreme in certain areas that were not kingdom and were not garden. And when I met Kevin, he really taught me what it meant to be family, a tribe, a community, to grow a garden and build a house. And that's what we're doing here. And I'm so thankful for this man. So with that, let's welcome Prophet Kevin Leo. Well, today, the Spirit of God wants you to understand the role of the written word in your life. Turn in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 and 21. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 21. Now, let me just explain today. I'm going to be talking about the Logos of God. I will explain the term because many people aren't familiar with that, but it is critical to your understanding the nature and the ways of God. Everybody say, the Logos of God. The Logos of God. Logos is a Greek word, and the New Testament, much of it was written in Greek. Jesus spoke in Aramaic, but it was translated in Greek because that was one of the dominant languages of that day and time. And so if you want to understand the New Testament, you got to understand the Greek terminology and the Greek words. And when you understand a little bit of it, everything changes as in how you read this word. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 19 and 21. And so we have a prophetic word. The word logos, everybody say a prophetic logos. Confirm what you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Verse 20, knowing this, that no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. One of the things that you have in this generation of young people, especially that are under 30, they think the Bible says something to me. I don't care what it says to you. Like I have a private interpretation. They play the God card. They say, well, God told me this. God, everybody shout, God card. God card. Shout, God card. God card. That's when you say, well, the Lord told me this, or I feel led of the Lord. But, I mean, if you contradict the logos of Scripture, that's not a private interpretation we're going to accept. And you're going to be better to stay in the logos because the devil wants to deceive you. How many understand that nobody's smarter than the devil? You're not smarter than the devil. I'm telling you that. He's been doing this for centuries. He's very smart. He's very strategic. He's very subtle. And if you understand that the devil wants to deceive you, and the only way he can deceive you is he gets you off the logos of God. If he gets you off the logos, you will be deceived. Look at your neighbor and say, if you get off the logos of God, you will be deceived. Come on, if you get off the logos of God, you will, be you will be deceived. Verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now the word logos really talks about what God has said. The principles, the stories of the Old Testament, the patriarchs, the poetry, the Proverbs. That's the logos, but it's more than that. Because we have another term called rhema. Rhema, or the prophetic word, is what God is saying. Logos is what God has said. Let's do that again. Say, Rhema, Rhema. 
is what God is saying. Logos is what God has said. And what God is saying does not contradict what God is saying. And what God is saying doesn't contradict what God has said. They have to line up. And the reason I'm telling you this is because if you live against the Logos, you will have mental problems. Look at your neighbor and say, if you live against the Logos, you will have mental problems. The Bible calls it a double-minded man. You're a double-minded man. You have two souls. Listen to me very carefully. A double-minded man is someone that has two souls. In your soul is your mind or your reasoning ability, your will, your emotions, your personality, your conscience. So I know a lot of Christians that are double-minded church members. They have two sets of reasoning abilities. When they're in business or the world system, they reason this. When they come into church, they go all the way opposite. It's like they're separated. Like, well, that's my church self, and this is my business self. This is my family self, and this is my church self. No, 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 no. You only get one mind. You only got one heart. You only have one will. When I say will, you just can't have things in opposite competition in your head. Two opposing ideas in your head makes you crazy. I said two opposing ideas on the same subject in your head makes you crazy. I said two opposing ideas in your head makes you crazy if it's on the same subject. And so he said, there is a logos that is a shining light that's supposed to go through your light. Turn your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. You know, when I first started getting saved, I was reading the word of God, and I got so mad on a number of occasions, the first 90 days I was reading the Bible, I got frustrated and I threw the Bible against the wall. I'm laying in my bed reading the Bible, and I said, ah, and I took the Bible and I threw it against the wall, threw it across the room. You know why? Because it was talking about a life I didn't want to submit to. Come on. It was talking about something I didn't want to submit to. And if you don't want to submit to the written word of God or the Logos word of God, any other thing that you do is going to be twisted and messed up. And so it's very important. I think in this church you have a thing called RTF. Is that what it's called? Restoring our identity or restoring the foundation. They talk about this stuff there. And it's a big deal when you start seeing a contradiction between the way you're living and what the Word of God says. That means you're partially nuts. That's right. You have mental issues. When I first started reading the Bible, I had mental issues. And so that you think of somebody that's in a white jacket in in some kind of an institution. No, no, no. There's a lot of crazy people walking around. You meet them every day. They say God says one thing, but they do the opposite. Or they say, God said this, and it's nothing like the word of God. Well, it's okay, man, if you want to have sex before marriage. You know, that's what I feel. I mean, that's what I feel. Your feelings does not contradict God's fact. Somebody say, your feelings. Come on, turn your prophetic finger loose on somebody. Say, your feelings do not contradict God's fact. And so a lot of people, they say, well, pastor, can I get up with you? I want to do some counseling with you. I want to talk to you about my crazy wife, my crazy husband. You need to go do some counseling in the Word of God. Now, don't lie because the Holy Ghost is here today to know if you're telling the truth or not. How many people in this building in your lifetime have read the Bible from cover to cover? Raise your hands. Pastor, stand up and see who's got their hands up. You've read the Bible from cover to cover. Raise your hands. All right, that means the rest of you in this room that haven't read the Bible from cover to cover, you got some mental problems. 
in love, I'm telling you this, you're crazy. I'm telling you in love, you're crazy, brother. Because there's got to be areas of your life that are in contradiction with reality. There are some areas of your life that is in contradiction to reality. And so when you come to prophetic church, you get a prophetic word. It's got to be interpreted. Dreams, visions, prophecy are all cousins because all of it has to be interpreted. Everybody say dreams, dreams. Visions, visions, prophecy, prophecy. are all spiritual cousins. Because it all needs interpretation. But if you don't know the Logos, you're going to put your own interpretation. And that's why I said it is of no private interpretation. And so when you approach a spirit world, the devil, demons, crazy religion. Heard one guy said the most ambitious demons want to start their own religion. There's a lot of not very ambitious demons. They just want to cause you to get in flesh sins. But the most ambitious demons, they want to cause their own religion to come into existence. And there's no way in this pluralistic society, in this secular society, when we have the government saying we don't want a Christian nation, we want a secular nation. When tradition is gone and tyranny of toleration is upon us. Everybody say the tyranny, the tyranny. of toleration. toleration. That means that everybody's belief system is, is the same. And so you got to push back against that because you will have mental issues. You say, well, why do you keep saying that thing about mental issues? Because I run into it every day. Every day. I see Christians get married and then they start having immediate problems in their relationships six months after they get married. You know why? Because they don't live according to the Logos. And they got mental issues. And those mental issues will manifest in your daily life. Say, my mental issues will manifest in my daily relationships. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13. For the Logos, or the word of God, is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, I want you to hear this, I want you to hear this, to the division of soul and spirit. Say, I am a spirit, and I have a soul. I am a spirit, and I have a soul. Now remember, he is talking to Christians. All the epistles were talking to Christians. All these sin issues they were dealing with, fornication, adultery, murder, hatred, all that stuff. He wasn't talking to the people outside the church. He was talking to the crazy people inside the church. Because the moment that you get born again, you are a new creature, but your soul is still full of the same stuff you had before you got saved. Your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality, your conscience, your memory. And so that's where the work of the Lord really happens is in your soul. So the Logos separates your soulish person from your spiritual person. The Logos separates the soulish you that's not spiritual, that's not submitted to the Lord from the spiritual you that should be. And that's why when you find people who don't love the word of God, they do have issues. They have mental problems. And if you're not reading the Bible on your own, he said, well, I don't understand it. Well, buy a version that you can't understand. I mean, when I first got saved, I read a children's picture Bible. The Lord said, I want you to read a children's picture Bible. And I said, I'm offended. He said, no, you're dumb. Read a children's Bible. <laughs> I didn't know any of those stories. I didn't know the Old Testament overview. Everybody say intelligent, intelligent. But, ignorant. but ignorant. Intelligent, intelligent. 
but ignorant. Intelligent means I've got the capacity, but ignorant means I just don't know. How can you know something you've never read, never been exposed to? And as I began to read the word of God, something began to happen in me. It was like sandpaper shaping and turning and twisting things inside of me. And it became much easier for me to be in relationships and having access to God. And you're not going to get it in one day. But I'm telling you, God designed the written word of God for your edification. Start in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why did God have four Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why did he have four? Because God says that sheep eat slow. Everybody say, sheep, sheep. Eat, eat slow. Never underestimate the ignorance of God's people. Come on, put your finger in the philosopher's pose. Say, never underestimate, never underestimate the, ignorance the ignorance of God's people. They come to church, they don't read the word of God, and you assume they know stuff. You assume they understand stuff, and they don't. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are similar stories, and this is why. The Bible calls you a sheep. Sheep are ruminators. Sheep have four sections in their stomach. When they eat something initially, they either take a bunch of grass or grain or whatever. It goes down to the first chamber. There is broken down, and the acids break it down, and they bring it back up and chew it again. Then it's distributed into the second chamber. They repeat that process, third chamber, fourth chamber, and then out. And that is why God put basically the same story in four different Gospels, because sheep eat. Okay, that's way too fast for some of you people. Come on, say, sheep, eat, slow. Now, Pastor David's been the word of God for, you know, 25 years or whatever. And so for him, it's old, but it's new for you. And if he doesn't slow down sometime with certain people, they ain't have that church polite attitude like, uh, I, I know what's going on. No, you don't. You don't understand what's happening. And so you got to realize that sheep eat slow. Say it to me again. Read it for yourself. And if the only Bible reading you do is when you come to this meeting, you have mental issues. You have mental issues. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 again. For the Logos of the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, even to the division of soul and spirit of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The Logos is to make you naked before God and man. That takes you back to the Garden of Eden where they were naked but not ashamed. If you won't read the written word of God, when you get into some environmental situations or relationship situations or some uh, obeying God situations, you will not be naked and you will be ashamed and full of fear. This is a process, guys. Because God doesn't just want you to have a, you're saved. No, he wants you to be like him. He wants voluntary worshipers, voluntary lovers. That's why you get revelation. And revelation is seeing for the first time what you've been reading and looking at for a long time. And so you cannot have revelation apart from the Logos. You cannot have that. John chapter 3, verse 16, very familiar portion of Scripture, but I want to put a new light on it. For God so loved the world... 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, the traditional understanding of this scripture is that God loves people, sent his son who became a man, and he died for them. God became a man, lived a sinless life, was crucified as a plea bargain to transfer your criminal things over to him and that you could be saved. But that's not what the word of God says. The Bible says, for God so loved the world. Everybody say cosmos. God so loved the world or the cosmos that he sent his son. God doesn't just want to save people to go to heaven. How many want to go to heaven? Okay, there's a, there's a load going up tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock. Oh, you don't want to go to heaven yet. You don't want to go to heaven yet. You see, I have a smartphone. And in my smartphone, I have apps, but I also have an operating system. If my operating system gets corrupted, nothing will operate right. The cosmos is the operating system about marriage, business, everything. And so he said, God so loved the cosmos. And the cosmos means the orderly arrangement of the world system, including the people. It's the orderly arrangement of the world system, including the people. So what happens is, if I get born again and I'm in a bad cosmos, it's not going to work out for me. And so when you get born again, the cosmos is inside of you. That's why I can be around crazy people and not be crazy. That's why I can be around dysfunctional people and not become dysfunctional. Because the cosmos, which is what he was talking about, pushes back on that. And that cosmos, when it's operating inside of me, it makes me have the ability to be salt and light. Because my operating system processes everything that's happening and filters out the bad, the unbiblical, so I can become the son of God in all situations. So you can become the daughter of God in all situations. So God so loved the world that he came to restore the cosmos. Come on, say, restore the operating system in me. Restore the operating system in me. Come on, say, restore. Restore. The operating system. The operating system. Inside of me. Inside of me. You got to understand that every time your pastor preaches, that's more information. That's like an app. Healing app, prophecy app, relationship app. But if it doesn't go into an operating system, it destroys the app. It won't open up. It won't function right. You know, whenever they give you a new update for operating system on your phone or your computer, it takes a while to update because it's synchronizing everything you have with the new update. How many know you need a spiritual update from time to time? Come on, say, I need, I need a, spiritual update. a spiritual update. Now, this is where we get to the Logos. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 1, verse 1. Now, the word for world or operating system and the people is cosmos. Is cosmos. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the word. The word there is logos or logos. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. In verse 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. Now, the Greek word is logos. In the beginning was the logos or the logos. Now, here's why this is important. That's talking about Jesus Christ. And to the ancient Greeks, 
they didn't understand about Jesus, but they thought, man, there's got to be some way that everything is pulled together. There's got to be a way that everything is ordered. They saw the sunrise. They saw the tides. They said all the things that were systematic in creation. They said there's got to be a designer behind all this. There's got to be some kind of operating system behind all this. It's too perfect. Everything is too perfect, how the body works, how the mind works, how relationships work. It's got to be an operating system behind it. And they called the one or the person or the concept behind the world system the Logos. And so when they wrote this to the Greek thinking people, they knew exactly what he was talking about. We don't. We just put word. But they said that in the beginning was a Logos. There had to be a creator, somebody who formulated all the things that we see right now. And so it says, and Jesus is the Logos. He's the Logos behind the cosmos. Say, Jesus, Jesus. is the Logos, is the Logos. Behind, the cosmos. behind the cosmos. He's the one that brought it into existence. He's the one that makes it operate. He's the one that continues it. And let me just say something about creation. God is still creating. How many have a car? How many realize that you don't, when you get a car, you get usually a full tank of gas. But how many know that when you get that new car with that full tank of gas, when it runs out, it requires you to do something else. It requires maintenance. Jesus did not start the world and says, okay, guys, you're on your own. You could have daily bread to live in the cosmos. And so what happens is if you don't get daily bread and daily impartation, the Logos becomes a trap for you. The cosmos becomes a crazy place because you don't understand how to navigate in this darkness. And that's why Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the cosmos. And I will drop down in this confusion and my operating system is going to begin to make sense out of every confusion in your life. Most of you, what you need in your marriage is a new operating system or to update that operating system. This operating system works for your business, for your marriages, how to raise kids. He did not leave anything to chance. He says, you have a more sure word or logos of prophecy. It shines in the darkness of your confusion. And one of the big problems that we have in this generation is that we want to live by feelings. Well, I just don't feel about it or I just feel this way. How many people, they say, well, are you going to go to heaven? I just feel I am. Well, you're fornicating, you're a drug dealer, you're lying. Well, I just feel I'm a good person. Who's measuring you? Who's measuring you? You got to get measured by the Logos. You got to get measured by the Logos. Now, here's the cool thing about Jesus. He's the living Logos. He's the living Logos. I said he's the living Logos. And so I love prophecy. I'm a prophet. But some people, you don't need a prophecy. You need to get your life ordered to the Logos. That's why you keep messing up over and over and over. You're on the third marriage. You're marrying the same guy in different bodies. Yeah. <laughs> Husband number one was an alcoholic crazy guy. Husband number two was an alcoholic crazy guy. Husband number three, uh, you have issues picking husbands. Because your Logos, your understanding of how this thing works is broken. And you can't see in the world system. That's why it's so confusing to you. And so what Jesus is, he steps down in your logos. And he shows you how to order your life 
So you get out of your mental issues. And then you're ready for a personal prophetic word. See, I usually prophesy over everything that moves in the church. Because I could see stuff. And what I'm seeing is not wrong, but it could be premature. What I'm seeing is not wrong, but it could be premature. Oh, Prophet Kevin, can I get a word? What do you see about me? And I used to tell everybody everything. But you know, I'm a lot wiser now. And I realized, man, do you read your Bible? No. Do you tithe? No. Well, you don't need a word. You need a logos. And they sometimes get offended. But if I pour my prophetic word into your confusion, you make my prophecy have mental problems. You make my prophecy have mental problems. Well, Prophet Kevin said, and I just feel, and when's it going to come to pass? And I got a lot of people mad at me. So, well, you gave me a word seven years ago, and it has to come to pass. Well, that word is a promise. But if you don't live in the Logos, you will never fulfill the promise. Your prophecy has mental problems because you don't know the Logos. Look at your neighbor and say, does your prophecy have mental problems? And so out of the Logos comes order. Out of the Logos comes understanding. Out of the Logos comes alignment. And I believe that we're trying to do with feeling, preaching, and prophecy what needs to be accomplished with the Logos. You know, if I could just get couples that are fighting to both read the Bible, somehow they get healed. Somehow they quit fighting. Because the Logos begins to deal with their attitudes, their selfishness, their resistance. It starts dealing with all the soulish issues. Your soul is self-centered. And that's our biggest problem as human beings. We're self-centered. Now, today in this room, there needs to be a renewed understanding of the place of the Logos in your life. In the beginning, he was the Logos. And if you're not having your daily bread, you are daily dead. If you don't read your daily bread, you're daily dead because that's something that he sends you. He said, I am the bread of life that you can function in the cosmos. We want to change everybody else. We want to change every situation. Hear me. The Bible talks about the kingdom of God or the Logos is in every man. The potential is in every man. But if you don't have Jesus, the Logos, to show you how it functions, men begin to operate their own operating system. Humanism, secularism is an alternate cosmos. Communism is an ultimate cosmos. Socialism is an ultimate cosmos. Dictatorships, it is a ultimate cosmos. In other words, they said, this is how we need to do this thing, and it's directly against the kingdom of God. Now, let me tell you why this is so important. God wants voluntary lovers, voluntary workers in the kingdom of God. He gave you a free will. He wants you to agree with him, and then you begin to flow with him. And many of you in this room today, you are super convicted about not reading the word of God. You want to be in a hot worship service where the presence of God is, but presence minus the written word makes crazy people. I can tell you the presence of God won't change you if you don't have a word inside of you. The presence of God won't change you. I know people have been in church 20 years. A lot of presence in the services, and they are in rebellion. They are in divorce. They are in all kinds of attitudes against the pastor. 
And they said, well, the Lord told me. The Lord didn't tell you any of that stuff because it goes against the Logos. And so there's going to be an awakening to the Logos today. How many of you women can grow a beard? How many of you women can grow a beard? The answer is every woman can grow a beard. How can you grow a beard? If I start giving you male hormones, you can grow a beard. You get a little peach fuzz right here, then you start getting some, some people get a whole beard. I've seen women with whole beards. I know a lesbian, her, her before and after picture in Christ, she had a full beard like a man because she would take it hormone treatments. Let me tell you, my basic nature is animal. I need some hormone treatments from the Holy Ghost. And if you are not taking your Holy Ghost hormone treatments, you are basically an animal, even though you're saved to go to heaven. And some of you are so convicted right now because you haven't been reading your word. You say, well, I Christian radio on. That's not a substitute for the Logos. You know, I come to a rock church and I love to worship. That's not a substitute for Logos. I got 1,700 of Pastor Davis' CDs. That's not a substitute for the Logos. You need to do all that, but that's supplemental vitamins. How many realize you you can't live on supplemental vitamins? You give in the morning vitamin A, vitamin B, vitamin C, B12, whatever. You cannot live on that. And so the scripture said that you have to live by the word of God. You've got to have the Logos that begins to operate inside of you. And this church will never assume its position of being 2,000 people unless I have a core remnant who know the word. You've got to know the word for yourself. Somebody shout, you've got to know the word for yourself. And I want to tell all you single people, don't marry anybody who doesn't read the word. Because you are marrying somebody with mental issues. You read the Bible? Oh, you know, every now and then. Or if they say this, well, not as much as I should. Here's your answer. Well, how much should you? If they don't say every day, go find somebody else. You can find a new boyfriend or girlfriend, but you can't find somebody the way God designed it. They're not having the word of God operating in your life. Today in this room, God is saying, I want you to make a new commitment to the Logos. This pastor's problems and counseling would diminish by 80% if we could just get you to read the Logos. You got a church with mental issues, pastor. But everybody has mental issues if they don't read the Bible. Well, I used to read it a lot. I used to read it a lot. What about the last 15 years? You know, not, not so much. You have mental problems. Let the word of God invade your soul. That is a choice. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to see the word of God going into you. Don't resist it. I want you to see the word of God going inside your soul. Don't resist it. It's there to change you. The Bible says receive with meekness or gentleness the implanted or engrafted word which is able to change your souls. You're not going to get more saved today if you are born again. But you're going to align to what God's plan is for your life. Amen? Right, I want you to turn your Bible to the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis has every single seed of doctrine in that book for the entire Bible. You'll find the seeds of it in the book of Genesis. And I want to say this because if you don't understand what I'm about to say, you will live a life of low purpose or no purpose and no meaning. Something will not be right inside of you. It just won't be right inside of you. 
Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God prepared, formed, and fashioned, and created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was out form and was an empty waste, and darkness upon the face of the very great deep. The Spirit of God was moving, and that word moving means hovering and brewing over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, suitable, and pleasant, and he approved it. And God separated the light from the darkness. But I want you to understand that in the beginning, the world was full of chaos, darkness, and confusion. Now, the reason this is important, every single person's life is full of chaos, darkness, and confusion until God gets involved. Now, I want you to hear this. It says, let there be light. Now, the problem with that is the sun, moon, and stars were not created to the fourth day. So what kind of light was this? The sun, moon, and stars were not created to the fourth day. So when he said, let there be light, what kind of light was this? Well, it tells us in Proverbs that before anything was made, Jesus, as wisdom, was there as an architect. So here's what the deal is. Every single one of you, your life is full of darkness, chaos, and confusion if you're looking to the world system to give you purpose and meaning for your life. The only one that can give you purpose and meaning for your life is the architect that was with God in the very beginning. And that's going to make a lot more sense in the days to come. Now, a number of years ago, a man that was a millionaire committed suicide. He had about $3 million cash. He had a business. But he think he put a gun to his head and blew his brains out. And when they were commenting why he did it, people looked at his material resource and they said, Man, the guy had so much to live for. And I heard a pastor said, no, he had a lot to live on, not a lot to live for. Just because you have a lot of material resources does not mean that you have purpose and you have meaning in life. And there's a lot of you in this room. You're just kind of just shuffling through life. Now you're saved, but purpose and meaning for life only come when the architect enters your life. Now, the reason I'm saying this is that repetition is the mother of all learning. So we're going to go back to John chapter 1, and we're going to reread why this is so important. John chapter 1 talks about the architect, which is Jesus Christ, coming into the world system. John chapter 1, verse 1, reading down to verse 5. And in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So what it says, let there be light. It wasn't just Jesus is the light of the world. He was the light when God created the world. Man, that is powerful. Jesus was the light when God made the universes. And there's many of you, you were raised with teachers who believed in evolution. And uh, you're just messed up. You're just messed up. You're telling me that an amoeba created all this, the order, the sequence. All you got to do is look at a human eye and you know it wasn't an accident. But if they accept there was a designer, that means they got to submit to the designer. So they would rather say it was a big bang. I'll tell you what the big bang was, and God said, that's the big bang right there. That's the bang. No, that was the bang. And God said, let there be. And he created the earth. So they just see it through the material world. They don't see it through a spiritual world. Because if they ever say, yeah, there's a designer, then they got to come up with the truth that... If there's a designer, I must submit to him. I didn't want to do that. That's humanism. Humanism is a demon that puts man at the center of the universe. Everybody say humanism. humanism. 
is a demon that puts man at the center of the universe. And that's where our government is. That's where our culture is. That's where Europe is. That's where North America is. It's a demon of humanism. And when man becomes the, the center of everything, they exalt things that are not right. Now, I'm not here to debate the science of global warming. But I'm here to tell you what the Bible calls it, global sinning. God will deal with the weather to get people. Elijah said, don't let it rain for three and a half years. So what happens is that when people sin, they rebel against God and the creation has all these ramifications of not being right. So they don't want to talk about global sinning. They want to talk about global warming. Now, there could be some aspect of that. I understand. But the real issue is that men have rebelled against God. And this message is to bring you back. So when it says, in the beginning was the word, this was written in Greek. And the word logos is the word for word. But it had a very peculiar meaning in the Greek language. And the Greek philosophers came up with a concept of a living principle behind all you see. They called it the word or the logos. So it says, in the beginning was the logos. Now, the Greek philosophers didn't understand it was Jesus Christ. They just said, this, this is not an accident. There's too much order. There's too much symmetry. There's too much repetition. So there has to be something behind creation. And what they did, they called that the logos. And so Jesus is the logos. So when John writing in Greek... He knew that they would understand. He said, and the beginning was the Logos. They didn't know who the Logos was. They just knew there was a Logos. Hear me. At the beginning of your finding purpose and meaning in life is going to be the Logos, which is Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of you just going through the motions. You're living for the material world. Your life is off track. You have a lot to live on, but not a lot to live for. Come on, you got a lot to live on. You got a good job. You got a stable income. But you're empty on the inside. Your highest purpose and meaning has been missed. That's why Jesus said, it's better to give than to receive. Because that's how he designed the cosmos or the logos to work. And so he said, in the beginning was the logos. And the logos was with God. And the logos was God. So he is saying that Jesus is God. Everybody say, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Come on, say it to every demon in corporate scripture. Say, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Come on, look at your and say, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Come on, shout, Jesus is God. They don't mind if you say God and Allah, but they don't want you to say Jesus. He is God, very God. And man has so messed up their life and the creation, God said, I'm going to come down and show you how to do it myself. And so deity took on flesh, lived a sinless life, born of a virgin, to show us how to live. And that same Jesus wants to come live in you, and he wants to be the living light in you to turn your chaos, to turn your confusion, and your lack of purpose and meaning into purpose and meaning. And let me tell you something. Many of you have had goofy backgrounds, criminal background, sexual perversion background, just pothead background, Game Boy background. They named it right, Game Boy, not Game Man. 
You spend 13 hours a week on Game Boy, you're going to be a boy. Get a job, brother. Pull your pants up. When you were a child, you did the thing to the child. When you became a man, you put away childish things. And some of you men here, you're Game Boys. You save Game Boys. It's time to grow up, grow your family. Your son is going to become what you show him to become. Pull your pants up. Get a job. Be consistent. Oh, that was my little rant right there. Hallelujah. <laughs> so he said, in the beginning was the Logos, the organizing principle of everything you see. That's what Logos means. The organizing principle of everything that you see. And it said that Jesus was the Logos. Hear me. God did not just create one time, sit back in an easy chair and let it go. Jesus is yet the creator. One of my favorite scriptures is this. If you ask God for anything and it doesn't exist, and it's aligned with the purpose and the will of God, he'll make one for you. I said he'll make one for you. He's still making stuff. You got a goofy husband, pray. God will remake him. Got Jezebel Jr. for a wife, pray. God will remake her. Got little demon babies in your home, pray. God will remake the demon baby. Pull the horns off. Come on. Some of y'all afraid of your own kids. They're 13 years old and you're afraid of them. That's because you never got the thorns out of their life when they were three and four years old. I'm going to prophesy to some of your parents. Spank your kids. Spank your kids. I'm going to knock the devil out of your flesh in the name of the Lord. Don't hit him in the face. There's a place to do it. Below the waist. You know, when our kids were small, we had a little, my wife had a little wooden paddle. And we named that paddle, Pastor Paddle. <laughs> Go see the Pastor Paddle. He's going to straighten you out right there. <laughs> and some of you, the reason you got problems in your marriage is because your daddy never spanked you. You little princess. You my little princess. Little demon princess, which you are. <laughs> World doesn't revolve around you. I said, the world doesn't revolve around you. I said, the world doesn't revolve around you. You're self-centered and selfish. And so when the Logos comes inside of you, he starts reordering how you see the world. That's why he said, in the beginning was the Logos. Now the word cosmos, once again repeating, the cosmos is the orderly arrangement of a world system. It's the operating system. And so when you get born into a natural world, there are many, many operating systems. We call it culture or tradition. Yeah. And God said, I'm going to supersede all those other cosmos. Yeah. And I'm going to cause my cosmos or my operating system to be dominant. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom operating system above all other operating systems. Everybody say, seek first, seek first. the kingdom operating system, kingdom above, system. All above all other operating systems. Now, there are two words for world in the Bible primarily that is used. The first one is called cosmos. That's the one that's most used. The second one is called aeon, A-I-O-N. It means the particular culture or preferences of that particular cosmos or the age or the spirit of the age. Like right now, you get pregnant out of wedlock, there's no shame. There's no shame. Started about 50 years ago, there's just no shame. You have sex out of marriage, no shame. You get an abortion, no shame. 
But here's what you got to understand. You don't break the Logos. The Logos breaks you. You cannot go against the design inside of you without consequences. Everybody say the Logos has consequences. See, so a lot of people think God is judging them. No, you just violated the design. Everybody say, I'm a design. In a design. In a design. In a design. You know, if I have a gas-powered automobile and I put diesel fuel in there, I can't cuss out the gas company because I made a mistake of put diesel in a gas car. It's not going to function right. And so when you understand I'm an operating system, whether I like it or not, you were made in the image of God. Every single person was made in the image of God. And for you to define who you are and what you are outside of the logos, you got mental issues. Look at you and say, if you're trying to define your life outside of the logos of God, you have mental issues. You have mental issues. Our prayer and heart's desire is that today's message has caused you to see Jesus more clearly, causing you to become a better disciple, walking in both wisdom and power in your generation. For further information about Kevin's ministry, books, tapes, or to have him come to your church or conference, call or write Key Ministries, Post Office Box 10357, Pensacola, Florida, 32524, or on the web at com. You can call our offices at 850-475-8877. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will water this word and cause it to grow in your life.